Welcome to Living the Dream Outdoors, the official podcast of Living the Dream Outdoor Properties. We live by the motto, it's not just land, it's a lifestyle. And we live the outdoor lifestyle every day. Whether you're a landowner or dreaming of joining the ranks of those closest to the earth, we're your brothers and sisters of the outdoors. We hunt, we fish, we're stewards of the land, and our Living the Dream team will show you the way to enjoying the land and all the outdoor pursuits it has to offer. Here's your host, Bill Cooper. Welcome to Living the Dream Outdoor Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Cooper, and I'm delighted to say I've got Frank Cox on with me. Hey, Frank, Bill. it's been a while. It has been a while. Hey, we always have a good time when we do these programs. Yeah, and, and we leave hungry, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a good thing. I believe in eating, man, and I know you do, because I laugh at you, man. You're just entertaining, because you just can't stay away from the smoker business or cooking barbecue and all that sort of thing. I tell you. It, I'm surprised it, you don't weigh 400 pounds. It, it gets in your blood. That's what happens. I I uh, I don't know who I was talking to recently, but been doing a lot of traveling with barbecue and cooking at different events and stuff like that. And there's always a bunch of guys there, you know. And uh, we're there to do a job, but it actually winds up we forget we're doing the job. We're having so much fun doing everything else. <laughs> But, uh, you know, you get to talking to them, and it's like, how did you get your start in barbecue, you know, or cooking or whatever they're doing? And, and it's just like, you know, one day it just, like, started a little bit and a little bit, and then it just gets in your blood. And it's just like there's nothing else to do but cook. Everywhere I go, I cook. <laughs> I know that. Man, and I like to cook. Of course, I'm kind of towards the fish and wild game side, you know. I don't do much just barbecue, barbecue, you know, because – I know a guy that does. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, uh, I built this cooker here recently called Bingo. That's Bingo. what I called it. I named it Bingo because I always say because I nailed it. Right. That's why. <laughs> but this big old cooker, it's a, and I've been cooking here recently. And matter of fact, uh, what was it? Last month or so ago, I cooked for living the dream out at their big party down at who's all yeah i was and supposed to have been there i actually had reservations you missed there. out man, man i, I, I cooked two I, days in a row and i, I didn't I drooled. even i looked at all the <laughs> photos but you know i'm buying selling a house and working on that house and oh my goodness frank now this can be hard for you to believe but i have missed the entire fall hunting and fishing episode. that is very hard to believe uh, i haven't been in three months man i'm 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 gonna have to see a psychiatrist after this. <laughs> this is all over, you know. Yeah. But but you might help me rescue me here with the barbecue situation. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've always got your back. Well, we cooked down there, and man, I tell you what, I cooked. Uh, it was what uh, right at a hundred seventy to seventy five hundred people, depending on which day. And uh, I cooked from six in the morning till I don't know, probably uh, right at six o'clock at night. You know, good twelve hour day, and we wow. cooked everything you could think of on that pit, and uh, you know the briskets and all that, and it was just a good time. But you just, I mean, it sounds like a lot of work, it you does know, sound getting like up and messing with the pit and all that. But I tell you, it's it's just fun. You know that you, you get a lot of conversations going. Food food is relationships, you know, and. 
and people come up and they always got questions and you start talking they're just wow you know <laughs> and and they you could start some really good conversations oh no doubt about it daryl hyman didn't eat any of that food did he oh yeah he did <laughs> i bet he ate well, more than he talked <laughs> they, they spent a lot of time on the river doing the float trip and all oh, of that yeah. too you know but other than that once they was done being it was hungry <laughs> <laughs> yeah the outdoors has that effect on it you. does you man know? and i've always of course i've been an outdoor writer for 52 years now mm-hmm. man over five decades and i've written hundreds i mean not just a handful but hundreds of articles about food in the outdoors and i'm not near the chef that you are you, you know but uh i've always encouraged people boy to eat good food while you're oh, yeah. in the outdoors because i you've seen it i've seen it and most experienced outdoorsmen have so many people run the day on the river or a week's vacation because they eat junk. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Well, we used to call it duck hunting foods. What we used to call it. <laughs> so you stop at uh, at the get and go gas station on the way out, you know, and then you get you the cereal bars, you know, oh, which yeah. are totally not okay. Yeah, they got marshmallow, fake marshmallows, oh, whatever's yeah. in there, you know, it ain't yeah. no good for you. Maybe some granola bars you can get by, but if you're like me, the blood sugars creep up on you a little bit. You know, you're not yeah. diabetic, but it's just like right. you know better. And then, uh, you know, you get the Gatorade or Mountain Dew and Doritos. That's what feeds, that's what built most of these houses in our area is Doritos and Mountain Dew, you know. It seems like anyway. But. You know, oh, absolutely. But I remember <laughs> I used to duck hunt with a gentleman out of Steelville. He's gone now. But Phil Marsliff, he was one of the best outdoorsmen I ever ran into. And I actually met him over at Little Prairie Lake duck hunting mm-hmm. many years ago. But he had this goofy looking blind on it on, on his big boat you know and i finally duck hunted with him well that dude was set up to cook breakfast in that duck oh boat. yeah now that's extremely impressive and it wasn't long i had a goofy looking blind on my boat <laughs> that's to block the wind from the little burner in there that we're cooking on yeah exactly but boy there's some guys down in uh uh Bill lives in uh, Poplar Bluff in that area, I think, and I, I can't remember how I met this dude. Through another duck hunter, I'm sure, but he's got a. I wish you could see this place down on the Black River in Arkansas, just across the border. You know, they've got a duck camp there, man. Now you you talk about walking into a cagey looking place. This duck camp's been there for. Wow, yeah, sixty years. Oh wow, and everything there is old, including mm-hmm. all the duck hunters. <laughs> yeah, and, and they've got a. They've got a uh, uh, boathouse, you know, uh-huh. like an old pontoon boat that they built a huge duck blind over. Now, they got a little kitchen in there, and boy, is it greasy. Yeah, <laughs> I bet it is, too. <laughs> but, man, there's some great food coming out. I actually got, <laughs> I've got the duck hunt with them a couple of times. And I was going through Popper Bluff the other day, and I, I called old Bill, and uh, he invited me down to hunt, you know, and uh, he sent some me some photos later they refurbished the duck blind oh did they clean it up yeah uh, i think i saw pictures of that <laughs> here the last time he's down there well yeah. that's that's quite an honor to get in on that now those guys got some wild recipes too they probably cook duck oh yeah every way you could possibly mm-hmm. think of and they like that kind of spicy stuff too you yeah know? you know uh probably my favorite way to date still <laughs> is uh i like to take those duck breasts i'll just breast them out you know on ducks or whatever and then i'll take that and i'll make sure there's no feathers and bbs in it first that's what you gotta do (laughs) and then once you get all the feathers and bbs out you know you've kind of been digging around or whatever and you cut it up a bit anyway so we'll just go ahead and either butterfly that open which butterfly is like you take the, the breast and you take the knife and you go in the middle of it 
and right. go almost all the way through, and then you stop and fold it open, right? Right. And so we'll do that, and then we'll stuff that thing either with like pepper jack cheese, you know, get something melty in there like some mozzarella too, uh-huh. and then you got to put jalapenos in there because oh, it's absolutely. just how it works. Some jal- but don't heat. get the don't get the jar jalapenos though. That's been turning me off lately because it, it's uh, pickled is what they are. You know, right. that's why they're in the jar. So they wind up with a lot of vinegar in them. So I prefer to go with just straight up good old jalapenos from the produce section. You know, you get a little more heat. They're way. a little hotter, but you know, you can, <laughs> we learned this trick called blanching. I don't know if may, some of you guys may know what that is, but blanching is where you, uh, first of all, I cut the jalapeno open then I get all the seeds out of it, get rid of the stem. And uh, you just get a pot of water going about, you know, 195. You don't want to boil it. You just want to get hot water going. And you just dunk them down in that hot water for a little bit, and it just kind of tames them down. I think what a lot of it is is the capsaicin oil kind of is released from that pepper. So it's not as hot. It's still got some heat, but it's not as hot, and it tenderizes them a bit. Because that's usually what happens wrong when you butterfly out a duck breast or something. You put the jalapeno in there. Is it still crispy? Like, it didn't get cooked all the way, the jalapeno didn't, but the duck breast is done. So, I like to blanch them first and then stick them in there. So, you're basically making a jalapeno popper inside this duck breast. Wow. This is what's happening. Then you got to wrap the How whole thing I'm in a, bacon. I haven't had some of those before. <laughs> well, we got to kill some ducks, Bill. <laughs> That's the problem. <laughs> well, we got to go hunting to get that, that done, you know. I, I mean, i got good buddies, but not so good that they bring ducks to That's my right. house. That's right. Yeah, you got to go out and work for it. <laughs> yeah. That's what happens. <laughs> exactly. But, boy, that, is, that sounds so good. And you know what? You could do that right on the duck boat. Oh, yeah, you can. Totally. Yeah, you know, I've seen different kinds of little setups. Uh, I mean, you can take a, uh, I don't know, like say a Dutch oven kind of pot, mm-hmm. you know, and you and I would use a thinner one if you're in the duck blind, not really a big old heavy cast iron because you got to right. have a much bigger fire to keep that going or whatever. Right. But you could literally use that like an oven and roast it if you wanted. Sure. Um, you know, I don't know. You could do a little smoker if you wanted, but you got to make sure your duck blind ain't very flammable, <laughs> you know, like a lot of grass and stuff, like dry grass and stuff, you know. Just got to be careful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It kind of reminds me of a story of a, oh, a book on turkey hunting that a guy out of Mississippi wrote a long time ago. But the name of his book was The Flaming Turkey. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we might have The Flaming d- Duck Blind, you know. Yeah, you got to have a little caution in anything like that in the outdoors, and you start mixing certain elements. You Absolutely. Know, you're getting fire in a boat. you got gas in there <laughs> yep. as well. So you you got to make sure everything's in its own little compartment. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, the probably the best, speaking of all this duck hunting and stuff, Probably the best duck blind meal I ever had was, and, and I don't know, you guys can write me a letter if you get mad at me for saying this or whatever, <laughs> but what ifs. So we, it was 2004, and back then uh, the limit was one drake on pintails per person, yeah. you know. And, uh, I mean, that day, it was early October, so it was October pintails. They didn't have the nice long tail, you know. Yeah. But it, I mean, it rained pintails in that hole we was hunting. Wow. And uh, there was a couple new guys, and there was a couple too many kilt, you know. Yeah. So what we did is we ate them <laughs> right there in the duck blind. You ate the evidence. We, we ate the evidence. And what we did is we made some chili in there, and that was probably the freaking best chili I've ever had. Oh. Just in, It's just one of those little, you know, those thin blue camping little kind of skillet right. things. Yeah. And a little pot, you know. And we had some, just we brought beans for some reason. I don't even know who was inspired to do that, but. We brought a couple cans of beans and fortunately had a can opener. 
And so, you know, we just heated them up right there, but we had to, you know, we had everything we needed, it seemed like, to make that happen, and it just was great. Oh, it sounds great. But, you know, that's some of the best and most memorable meals at times. Absolutely. When you make things happen, mm-hmm. and it just takes a few ingredients, you know, to, to get a... And a hot meal on a cold yeah. day is just, like I say, memorable. Man, I've had lots of them. I've cooked so many different things, you know. And <clears throat> I've been famous a few times, too, for running off and getting something that's pretty important. Mm-hmm. And I go dig around. I'm I'm bad about it in my boats and stuff of putting survival supplies in. You. Yeah. <laughs> it may be a can of pork and beans that's been in there for 10 years. You know? <laughs> but it's there. <laughs> but it's there. <laughs> and, and I have eaten uh, some canned goods. I, I like, this is crazy, but I like just cold green beans right out of the can, uh-huh. you know, or peas either one. I can't tell you how many times out on a duck boat or floating down a river or fishing, you know, I get to dig around those boxes and I'll find a can of something like there that. There you go. And, Boy, it tastes so good. <laughs> yeah, especially when you're hungry. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Yep. Well, Frank, I tell you what, boy, time flies when you're having fun, and it's always so much fun to have you on a program. But we need to take just a little short break. But, folks, don't go away. Yep. We're going to be right back. Slow down and enjoy the simple things in life. Welcome to Huzal Valley Resort, providing family fun since 1979. They offer floating, and you can choose from canoes, rafts, kayaks, and inner tubes on the beautiful, crystal clear Huzal River. Lodging, let us be your home away from home. Choose from a variety of lodging units while still enjoying the great outdoors. With over two and a half miles of river camping on the crystal clear Huzal, we're sure you and your family will find the perfect spot to pitch your tent or park your RV. Have fun and let us help you get the most of your stay. Check out our guided trail rides and Karen's Cafe menu. There's something for everyone at Who's All. There's a campground store on site that has everything you need for your trip, whether you're in need of gear, grub, or something else. Chances are they've got it. And their campground has RV sites and primitive sites for all your camping needs. If you like the adventures of camping with a cozy bed at night, we have a variety of different lodging units to choose from. But who's all valley? There's always something going on out there. Check them out on Facebook, or if you want to make a reservation, simply call 1-800-367-4516. Captain Brian Wilson runs one of the tightest boat fishing operations in the business. Stainwater Boat Fishing operates out of Jerome, Missouri, and the beautiful Missouri Ozarks. They cover most Ozark streams and lakes. You haven't lived until you've searched Ozark waters during the night with Stainwater Bow Fishing while looking for giant gar, carp, and buffalo. Captain Wilson also runs a second boat on Taney Como Lake. Call today to book a trip with Stainwater Bow Fishing at 573 263 8016. Again, that's 573 263 8016. Be sure and shoot straight. Well, welcome back to Living the Dream Outdoor Podcast. I'm Bill Cooper, and I got my good buddy, Frank Cox, sitting next to me. We've laughed and had a good time at a first segment. Boy, Frank, when you get to remembering things. Oh, you know, yeah. I, and I remember, I remember your wife's first and only duck. 
Yep, that picture's hanging right there. And yeah, we see it every day. And she's proud. It was a bluebill or a ringneck. I can't remember. But I think I, it was a bluebill. Yeah, yeah, bluebills. We had them. They was coming in that that morning at Little Prairie out here. Of course, you know, I mean, that's we've hunted quite a bit out at Little Prairie over the years. It's easy. Yeah. And uh, you know where we're at, we don't really get like ducks that come and stay for a while. The bluebills hang out because they're divers, but most of the ducks. You know, they're passing through. If you want to see mallards or something, you got to get out right there when that front's coming or whatever, and then they're going to be there for a few hours, and they burn out. And then they're you know? moving on. Yeah, but, I, I, I remember seeing Lisa shoot that duck. Yeah. In fact, I was so proud of her. Hey, we got a new duck on her. <laughs> and boy, I was really encouraging her and cheering for her, you know, and she said, I'm done. I'm done. Yeah, she's still got the coat and everything, but she don't wear it. Joe Joe took over that coat. Oh, well, that's a nice nice coat. He he did well. Well, Frank, you know, Paul, we've talked many, many hours uh, in a time that we've known each other about foods and preparations and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But one thing I know that you're pretty good at, and I just have never done much of it, that's grinding meat. Yeah, making sausage, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I've seen you make sausage out of... All kinds of stuff. stuff I'm not sure why. The one thing I've never done is bear. I've I've always kind of oh, really? wanted to mess with that a little bit, but you know, with trichinosis, uh, well, I mean, it just depends on where the bears was killed. You know, if if they're in a urban kind of a suburban or whatever area, you know, somewhere where they've been slopped. You know, yeah. that's usually the problem is is that they've been slopped like the hogs was, and right. you know, so they're vulnerable to that. And I didn't even know it. And you had brought some bear back from Alaska here, I don't know, back in 2014, 15, something like that. Yeah, it was actually Canada, New, Canada. New Brunswick. Yeah, and uh, he was like, hey, let's cook this up. And I threw it on the smoker, man, medium medium right there. Boy, I was like, this is the greatest oh, thing in the world. Turns that. out we wasn't supposed to do that. <laughs> it's a good thing we didn't get sick. But yeah, well, but I, it was great. Yeah. I remember that. But I, I have taken several – uh, bear hams over, over the years and i love those things man of course tr- trim all the fat off you can that sort of thing mm-hmm. but find some kind of marinade a marinade rub you you always have plenty of that stuff you yep. know i'm always bumming off of you but i take that stuff man and find something i love apple juice to it inject mm-hmm. it with ever uh two or three hours and man then i put bacon all over that thing and put it on a smoker for 10, 12 hours, yeah. just a slow, slow smoke. And a lot of that was medium rear uh, towards the medium side a little bit more, I, I guess. But Frank is as good as the finest roast beef oh, I've yeah. ever ate. Yeah, absolutely. Most of that most of that uh, game animal is, is pretty lean anyway, you know, because they're not – they're not getting fed, you know, corn diet typically, you know, like what well, we do grain fed or whatever, but uh, like, you know, we do with cattle or whatever. But, um, you know, so like whenever I'm making sausage, you know, we're, we're talking about grinding, uh, you know, one of my favorite little processors there is that limb number eight, I think is one of them, you know, um, it's just a real good. I don't know. The limb is a little bit more pricey. They got some cheaper ones, but you're going to be somewhere around the hundred dollars if you go to Academy and get the cheap uh, off brand. Or the limb is going to be more like three hundred bucks or so. And uh, it's got all the stuff in there with it. I don't like to use it to stuff with, even though it comes with the little nozzles and stuff. But um, I use a separate stuffer for that. But when I'm grinding that stuff, I'll usually try to cut it in with some kind of fat, like pork. You know. Right. And uh, just to cut, I mean, it, it, to me, what it does is you could take something that's real gamey and you can cut that with that pork fat. Like, let's say your pork fat was a 60-40. 
Well, you've got a little bit of lean pork, that's the 60, and then you've got the 40, which is the fat from the pork. And it's going to wind up being, when you cut that 50% pork with 50% whatever lean you're doing, it's going to wind up with a real nice texture and plenty of fat. So, like, if you're making a summer sausage or bratwurst or something like that, people that aren't into game food, you know, like gamey meat or whatever, they're not going to turn their nose up. Just don't tell them what it is. <laughs> and they'll bite into it, and they'll be like, my goodness, this is the best possum I ever ate in my life, possum sausage. Yeah. They don't have no idea. You just be like, yeah, it is. It's pretty dang good, isn't it? You know, they don't know it's possum. Hey, I don't Every time you're in a deer hunting camp or some kind of animal hunting camp, you know, and people get to telling stories, there's always some old codger that tells the same story. You know, I really pulled the wool over somebody's eye because I had this sister-in-law that would never, ever eat deer, you know, and mm-hmm. I can cook it so good, you know. That oh, yeah. They think it's roast beef, and then I hee-haw and tell them what it is, and they, they just swear I'm a liar and all that stuff. You know, you've mm-hmm. heard that story oh, a thousand yeah. times. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But, but still... I sit and listen to every one of them. <laughs> but have you ever ate possum? Actually, I have. It's been a long time ago. I can't remember much about it. It was edible, huh? Yeah. Wasn't bad. I never ate it. So I've always said I was going to. Well, see, I'm kind of from down south, and I heard a lot of the old-timers, you know, like my grandparents and all used southern recipe, possum with sweet potatoes. Yeah. yeah. Matter of fact, I think there's some recipes in your cookbook. Oh, yeah. Because you got a cookbook. Yeah, I do have a cookbook. (laughs) I still have a cookbook. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. That's back in 1999, but uh, gosh, it was such an education putting that book together, you know, because it was an outdoor celebrities cookbook and some of the biggest names in the outdoor industry, you you know, like Bill Jordan from that era. But I was just flabbergasted how quickly recipes rolled in for that book once I mailed the invitations. And do you know what the most common animal was (laughs) that people sent recipes about? Was it possible? Beaver. Oh, beaver. Okay, I was going to be like, oh, my goodness. (laughs) Well, now I finally did find a copy of that on Amazon. You did? I did. Did you and buy I, it? Oh, yeah, I got it. How much did yeah. you pay for it? I think I paid 24 bucks. Oh, you got by pretty cheap. Yeah, I've seen them for $200. I have, too. Yeah. I have, too, because I, I don't have any left anymore. I printed 5,000 copies of that thing. Bass Pro sold mm-hmm. them for me, and they were gone in 18 months. Yeah. And, you know, I... I thought, man, I'm going to make some money here, so I'm going to do a quick replay. So for the people listening, what was the name of it again? Tell it. It was an outdoor celebrity's cookbook. Yeah. <clears throat> and it had the plastic spiral binding on it oh, with a hard it, it cover. it was a great layout. Yeah. It, it was made for the ladies to be able to lay it right out on the countertop, but it was such an unusual cookbook because it wasn't just fish and game recipes. Stories. I, yeah, I had some of my uh, favorite outdoor writers to, put a story in there and mm-hmm. there were i don't know a dozen 15 little short stories in there mm-hmm. i said so i took credit for getting the husband and wife and the kitchen together she can read the recipe and he, he can read, read the, the story. story that's right absolutely it's a great book i, I got it there at the house in the kitchen you know yeah, we look at it once in a while. went to reprint that thing and printing costs had tripled in 18 months so mm-hmm. i was out of business <laughs> <laughs> well you know though i don't know i don't remember seeing a sausage <laughs> recipe in there but uh, i'll i'll kind of tell you kind of what i like to do because I cheat, I use bag seasoning. I'm going to tell you right now, and and I like a uh, just a just a original summer sausage seasoning, and I add all my junk to it if uh-huh. I want something special. 
you know, so what I'll do is uh, lamb makes a good one, I guess you can get, but I never really did use it as much as I do like Excalibur is a good brand. Um, uh, legs is another one with two G's, L E G G S legs, legs. I've heard of that. Mm-hmm. And they make a whole bunch of different stuff. Excalibur is the one I use the most though. And I get it up. If you're in Missouri and you're near Jeff city, um, there's a little place in Versailles called, uh, meat Meisters or something like that. Uh-huh. I think is what it's called. Uh, but anyway, he's the only, it's a little, uh, Amish, meat shop there Mennonite oh, yeah. or whatever Mennonite butcher shop and they got a garden center and stuff and I go in there Matthew Yoder is his name and he's got everything you could even imagine in there for sausage making at home it's the coolest <laughs> place in the world and uh so I'll go in there and get the Excalibur from him and I'll get my two inch casings I use the the mahogany casings you know the two inch fibrous ones and uh they're about 18 inches long casings are you got to soak them, get them wet, you need hog ring pliers and some hog rings, the little yeah. ones, not big ones. And um, so what I'll do is is I'll take my, my meat and I'll grind them separately. My pork is if uh-huh. I just buy pork butts, I'll cube them up. And that'll be about 60-40, just a pork butt. And then I'll take uh, deer meat, let's say, and I'm going to cube it up. When I, when I clean a deer, I don't get all crazy about hanging it out for three four days and all of, no no with three hours three we're, hours. we're in the freezer food saver bag and we we this is sacrilege somebody's gonna write you some hate mail i cube that entire deer up every oh piece of meat i can get I mean, off like of the back straps including the back straps <laughs> they, oh, they all go in because the mission is we got to get enough to make as much sausage right. as we gonna do so uh and the back when the back straps is in, it's the best. Oh, I'm just I would imagine. <laughs> so at, at least you think that in your mind. <laughs> you yeah, know that's good meat going in it. So usually three hours, I'm cubed up in the bag, and then we're just going to let it sit for a little while. And what'll happen is a lot of that in the cold, mm-hmm. a lot of that stuff that would come out hanging anyway is going to come out in the bag, right. and you can just dump it out and rinse it real good. You know, that's kind of what I do. Yeah. So I'll take that grinder. And I'll take my cubed up pork and my cubed up beef and I'll grind those two separately from each other. Then I'm going to take and put it all in my big mixing tub. It's a $10 bus tub that they got. And I'll mix that whole thing up, 25-pound batch, right? And I get all the seasoning mixed up and all of that. And then I'll re-grind everything one more time together. And that putting it through the grinder will mix that seasoning and stuff in along with the pork and the beef mixing together. Then it goes in the tub, and I mix it by hand one more time in the tub. My goodness! And that's how you get that's how you get that even texture right there. But there's a catch. Something I didn't know the first couple times I did it. Part of that mixing is you want to stretch. You want to squish and uh, get that meat to stretch a little bit. Mm-hmm. And it does something to the texture of the meat whenever it's going through that stuffer that it actually packs a lot tighter in there. And you get that flavor to penetrate all the muscles and fibers and everything. So I'll squeeze and mush and on that last time when I'm doing it. Then we just stuff it like normal wow. into the casing and snap it with a hog ring plier and hang it in the smoker. Man, that, making my mouth water. But so, how long does it stay in that smoker? Okay, so the rule is you don't want to get the internal temperature of the sausage over 165. If you do that, you start you start rendering the fat. Right, it's in the sausage, out. and we don't want that to happen. We just want the smoke action in there, and the and some heat. We want to get it up around that one fifty, something like that, one fifty five. 
if we're going to pull it out of there and let it sit and sit and hang it in dry air, that's when the chemical reaction is going to start because um, it cures, you know, with the cure. Right. But, uh, um, yeah, so I'll keep it in there about six hours, you know, and then I'll I'll pull it out it, once it hits that 155 to 160. When's mm-hmm. the last time you did that? year ago well, it's time <laughs> it's time we need another bambi or two <laughs> so. i'd help you out but i just like i say i've been so busy i haven't been well frank one of the things you know everybody loves deer sausages stuff and i like deer sausages and all those good things but that's one of the few things that will give me heartburn so i oh. don't eat a whole lot of it and it's you know got to do with the spices but occasionally i find a real mild sausage mm-hmm. that i can eat and tolerate and then i eat too much of it and i wind up man i tell you sick anyway you know a little trick uh one of i'm my boys won't even hardly put it down. I mean, they they love it, and uh, but you get some uh, sweet southern mustard. It's like a sweet mustard. It's not real spicy. You know, there's one guy, my buddy TD uh, TD's Brew and BBQ dot com is where you would go to get this. Um, but he makes a sweet southern mustard. It's it's the sec- it's been second place every contest it's been in worldwide, right? Wow. <laughs> He'll tell you that all these awards and stuff he's got but they're always second place. <laughs> so, but uh that mustard on that deer sausage I just told you about with that Excalibur, I can't remember the number of it. See, money. I'm just saying it's it's like you won't be able to put it down. Well, I'm going to take your word for it because <laughs> I'm from the south and when you say sweet and southern uh-huh. They go together real well. Yeah, it conjures up some memories. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, yeah. Frank, let's take another break here. We okay. need to hear from some today's sponsors, but folks, hang with us. we got some more good cooking tales. Bass fishing on the Lake of the Ozarks. Look no further than Big Ed's guide service right there on Lake of the Ozarks. Big Ed Franco has been fishing on Lake of the Ozarks most of his life and has been guiding for almost two decades. I've fished with Big Ed and had a great time. He's a lot of fun and certainly knows where the bass live. You can call Big Ed to make a reservation at 573-692-6710 or go to BigEdsGuideService.com. And on the flip side of his business card is Bass and Baskets. That's bed and breakfast that he and his wife, Deb, also run right on the banks of Lake of the Ozarks. You have a beautiful place to stay, great meals, beautiful outdoor decor, and you can walk right out the front door, get on Ed's bass boat, and head out to fish. You can call for the bed and breakfast at 573-692-6737 or look them up at BassandBaskets.com. Living the Dream Outdoor Properties, where it's not just land, it's a lifestyle. Daryl Hyman and crew out of Cuba, Missouri, dedicated to finding you the outdoor property that you've dreamed about all your life, or if you've got one you need to sell, they'll be happy to take care of that and hook you up with a great outdoor customer as well. These guys are famous for getting, listing, and selling some of the finest properties in the Midwest. So be sure and get a hold of Living the Dream Outdoor Properties. And you could find them at this, I love this, catchy phone number. 1-800-BUY-DIRT. Living the Dream Outdoor Properties.
Welcome back to Living the Dream Outdoor Podcast. I'm Bill Cooper, and Frank Cox is sitting here with me. And boy, we've had a good time. Uh, we've had some good do. breakfasts together, too. We've had some awesome breakfasts, <laughs> and one that just, I'll never forget it, is the disco breakfast. Oh, yeah, disco <laughs> breakfast, yeah. I think we were at a rabbit hunting camp or we something. We were, we were. We was up at uh, up north, uh, almost, where was that? It was north of Mexico, Missouri, up yeah, there. up in, in the, that area. Yeah, up in that good, area. Good rabbit hunting country. That was awesome. It's it's actually managed, I think, as a bird hunting place, like quail hunting and oh, stuff. Oh, absolutely, but you got Good quail habitat. You're going yeah. to have good you rabbit habitat rabbits, yeah. and a number of other good yeah. habitats that will attract a lot of different species of wildlife. Absolutely. I, but I remember being in a barn or a shed or something, and I walk in, and you're sitting there on a little stool, and you've got like a plow disc uh-huh. off of an implement. Yes. <laughs> it's actually a tractor plow, like a plow disc off a tractor. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Disco breakfast. Yeah, so the the story is there's this old, well, in the barbecue world, we had these things called forums. You know, it's just a message board. You know, you guys are all probably familiar with that. And everybody on the forum, they can't use their real name. They got to have a cool name, you know, that they use. And there's this dude from down in Texas, and heck, I don't know, he might even be listening, but his name was uh, Kill Switch uh, 505 because he was from uh, New Mexico. I think that's one of their area codes down there. (laughs) And uh, he... On the forum, on our forum anyway, the Smoker Builder forum there, smokerbuilder.com, he uh, introduced us to this thing called a disco. And we was just, as soon as we saw it, we fell in love with the whole idea, you know. Oh, absolutely. It's just charming. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you guys might that are listening might be familiar with the thing called the fire disc cooker. Okay, well, the fire disc cooker is a newfangled way of making it. Um, The way we did it back in the day and and we called them discos that's what that's what denny that was his name told us to call them was was discos because you know it was originally called a discata is how the the right. southwest people did it you know and uh you know it's a real like a hispanic kind of a thing mexican where we've got like fajitas going on this or oh. anything you put it all in and stir it up and fry it and it goes on a tortilla that belongs in a discada well, you know? all i've ever seen you produce <laughs> is breakfast is colorful <laughs> i mean i peel smell taste yeah and man you just eat and eat, eat and eat, and eat. And, and you know, the key ingredients, and well, I'll tell you about the disco first. So the way that you know that you're dealing with somebody that's legit and understands the art of a discata, right? They'll First off, they'll call it a disco because that's how we always said it. Second thing is the discata or disco will actually be a sh- one of two kinds. There's, there's a deep-drawn uh, disc that I guess they use for turning – you know, real hard when they're turning the ground and it'll be about four inches deep or something like that. And then there's a shallow one, which you'll see most everywhere. It's, it's about, you know, an inch and a half inch, something like that deep. And, uh, in the middle it's, it's what's really good about it is it's highly carbonized steel, you know, is, and it's thick. And so it really retains, retains the heat well. And, but they're usually sharp on the edge. You can get them that have like, uh, like they look like a flower because they're kind of like they got the teeth on them, you know. Right. Those are really good, but then the the ones you get like at the local farm store will have a sharp thing around them. Right. And I always ground that off when I make one, and they'll have a square hole in the middle, and you got plugged that hole because all your grease will fall out if you don't. <laughs> so you got to clean it up and heat it up, and then you weld the little hole shut, you know. Um, 
once you get all that done, you take a grinder and you got to clean it up really good. Get all that powder coat. I don't know what that powder coat is that they <laughs> use on there. That is some insane stuff, and it's really hard to get off with a grinder. But get it all cleaned up, burn it in, and you, and I don't know if you ever look at TikTok, but there's these guys over in some Oriental country. I don't know if it's China or where they're at, but they they make these carbon steel pans skillets. And they just take a flat piece of metal and they, they start heating and beating on that metal. And it's like a hammered skillet. Right. And you'll always see the video because it's, they take it, they'll put an egg in this skillet and they'll just like swish it around and that egg won't stick nowhere. And it just goes and goes and goes and it's perfectly cooked egg. That's kind of what we're looking for. And the way that they get that is they heat that skillet, that iron up until it's blue, like you're, like you're, wow. like you're hot bluing a uh, piece of metal. Because there's hot blue and cold blue. Cold blue is what you do on your gun, you know. Right. So they heat that piece of metal up until it blues in, and then they put just the right amount of oil on there, and then it gets that really slick, perfectly seasoned thing going on. And, uh, you know, then you got your disco right. So that's part of the process of building one is heating it and turning it and getting it, you know, in the right position and getting that blue going. <laughs> I, I, I love it. I don't care what you're talking about. <laughs> what you're talking about. That, that lingo, you know, just the right amount. And nobody ever says what. That's too much. <laughs> what, the right, what the right amount is. But I think you disco guys stole the idea from the walk dudes. I think we did. You know, I, I, some. Somebody along the line did. The, I guess the, the they're pretty much the same. Oh, on, honestly, absolutely. But a mm-hmm. cooking vessel is a cooking vessel is a cooking vessel. You but know. I, and I, I got to tell you the story. You know my good buddy Jim Departo. Uh, oh yeah, you know I know Jim. <laughs> Crazy Jim. You know he's always wanting me to come out and fish. Got a beautiful lake there that oh, I've caught thousands of fish out of over the decades. But we were down there together one summer, I guess, and we were catching just gigantic bluegill. And, and Jim's not big on keeping things to eat, you know. Well, I am, you know. Mm-hmm. A big bluegill are the best fish ever. I, bl- I, bl- I agree. Yeah. yeah. Well, I talked Jim into let me keep a handful of those and we'll bring them home and eat them. Well, all of a sudden, Jim decides we're going to eat them right there. I said, how are we going to do that? I don't have anything. We're from you know? not keeping it to eating them right now. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, he's insisting. Cooper, surely you got a cook kit in your truck. Well, I had cleaned the truck. Very unusual thing, but my cook kit was gone. I'm not kidding you. We dug around there, and I found an old mason jar lid, which I sharpened on a rock to clean the fish with. I didn't even have a knife. So I scaled these fish and gutted them, beheaded them, everything with a sharpened mason jar lid. Mm-hmm. Now we got to find something to cook out of. There was no dump over there, and I found a Ford hub, hub cap. There you go. And I actually did have a little bit of cooking oil in there, so we heated up this Ford hub cap, poured some oil in there, and just kind of threw the fish in there. We didn't even have any breading or anything. You yep. know. But, buddy, we had cooked fish on the side <laughs> of the lake, you know, and thought we'd really done something. That Ford hub cap was probably worth some money. Probably was. I was probably still in the dump. <laughs> but but yeah, I know what you mean. I mean, we've been duck hunting, and I didn't. And this is crazy. I don't even know why we did it, but we we was desperate. I guess um, we took our spent shells and cut them open. Use those as forks, you know, just for yeah. scooping up. We we made dirty eggs in the blind. That's what we yeah. did, you know. <laughs> um, except I don't know if were we use. I can't remember if I was using the disco in the blind. I think I was. 
a disco in the blind. But, but yeah, these little plow discs, you get them all different sizes, and they function really, really well. I've deep-fried wings. I've made some of the – well, besides the pintail chili, some of the best chili I've ever made came out of a disco. Stroganoff, like we'll cook a whole brisket. We'll cut that entire brisket up. And that whole thing goes into stroganoff, right? Oh, you need and, to raise your right hand. <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm gonna, we, I'm gonna make, we eat happy. I'm, I'm raising it, Bill. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to make you promise and pledge right now, man. you got to feed me real soon. <laughs> oh, I know. I get I get crazy with it. But yeah, so dirty eggs. That's, what we, that's why we call them dirty eggs. And dirty eggs is just, that's what we ate at the camp. Right. That's, uh, I still got the photographs. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's basically just eggs mixed up with anything you got laying around and they're cooked in that that disco so we always called them dirty eggs because the plow disc you know but peppers you got to have peppers that's an essential thing and you got to have onions you know and if you want to cheat a little bit because you don't really like you can get little cans of green chilies which i really like green chilies but most most people just use a can of rotel because it's got the tomatoes in it too you know right green chilies and I usually try to get as much moisture squeezed out of that as I can so the eggs aren't wet and drip down your arm because that's right. what they do in the tortilla. <laughs> so scramble that whole mess up, your meat and veggies and all that, and then we just take about 18 or, I don't know, pick them. How many you want? Two dozen eggs? <laughs> 18 or two dozen eggs. We'll crack them and, you know, how you hit them with the fork. And I use a fork. That's another thing we got to discuss is like when you're whipping eggs to make scrambled eggs or an omelet or something, do you use a fork or a whisk? I use fork. That's what I use is a That's fork. That's what I've always used. I never understood how anybody That's... could whip eggs with a whisk because, like, the whisk just, you know, swishes them around. It, there ain't enough to, like, beat the eggs. <laughs> like a, break, and a whisk is a whole lot harder to wash. Too. It is harder to wash. I hate washing those. I do, too. So, yeah, and, and you know, I'd, so I use a fork, and I whip the eggs up real good. I don't put no milk in them. I don't do none of that weird stuff. I just pour the eggs. The harder you beat the eggs, the foamier they get. Right. And so then I put those in the dirty eggs. And when your eggs is all done, you stir it, scrape the bottom. You got to scrape the bottom real good the whole time. Well, you know, there's another dish we talked about one time on one of the first shows is uh, migas. Yeah, I remember that. That migas is, is basically dirty eggs with no meat because it's got like all the chilies and the peppers and the onions mm. and... They even put tortilla chips in. They'll crunch them up and put them in the, wow, you know, and that's just fun. And cheese and all that. So, yeah, I get excited. We're talking about food. <laughs> I love food. Food is happiness. Yeah, most, you know? of, most of us do, you know. <laughs> and back to the cookbook, Spencer Turner, who's been gone for several years, but was a dear, dear friend. He was our state trout biologist. He wrote the introduction to this, this uh, cookbook. And... Uh, Wow, it was just powerful. Mm-hmm. You know, he talked about developing communications way back when, and he said there, there's all kinds of theories, but he said, I know where it happened. Mm. Communication started around the campfire. That's right. The f- families, and somebody brought something in to eat, and somebody, Stone was, smarter, yeah, some, somebody was smart enough to cook <laughs> it, and uh, everybody was hungry, you know. Yeah. And it, uh, yeah. Absolutely. I think yeah. some of our best communication comes when we're with a, a yeah. group, hunting, fishing party, whatever, just friends in the backyard. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, absolutely. That's I think we feel closest, and that food is just a common denominator that really sucks us all in. Absolutely. You know? And, you know, there's no greater match than the outdoors, you know, and food. 
you know, because it's like goes hand in hand. It's it's the full circle, I believe. Oh, I I, I think so too. And of course, I love to float down our Ozark streams. I've floated thousands of miles, and I kind of developed a little bit of reputation for cooking on the gravel bars. You know, I'm <laughs> gravel bar a, gourmet, known as a gravel bar gourmet, and <laughs> I love my secret ingredient. I know you got my mind to pinch of sand. Pinch of sand. I was going to say it had to be something off the bank. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But what good times. But, Frank, man, you're just a connoisseur, you know. Uh, You've been in this business. I don't know how old you are, but it seems like to me you've been in this business for for decades. You must have started cooking since I was a little kid. Yeah. But you're still in business now. Tell us, let's wind the program up here with talking a few minutes about your business. Sure. Uh, Well, smokerbuilder.com is an easy place to learn about me and my journey with uh, as far as the barbecue world goes. Um, but primarily what we do is we have uh, legendsmokers.com. That's legend, L-E-G-E-N-D. And uh, that's a Texas-style straight-flow offset that we build right here in the middle of the state of Missouri. 100% absolutely guaranteed to be USA-made, <laughs> except for the casters, because I can't get those in the USA. They come from the USA, but they're made somewhere else. I don't know. But right. anyway, we weld them up here in the shop, and uh, you know we, we build them fast and and all that and they're uh you know um it's it's probably one of my favorite pits i've ever made you know and you've and made a lot of them we build them fast and we build a lot we got dealers nationwide um and we're still building our network and uh but then we've also got smokerplans.net some guys would rather get in the shop and build their own and that's what smokerplans.net is about so you can buy a smoker or you can build one yourself you know we're wow. here to help you out wow well i would suggest to people boy they get on your facebook sites or your yeah. web page or whatever because i follow you there's not a day go by that i don't see umpteen posts from frank <laughs> we Cox post and, a lot <laughs> well I, and i try to like every one of them because i know you guys are up to your keyboards wore out probably yeah. liking them all on <laughs> you, your phone you guys are always up to something <laughs> good and Folks, if you're really smart, you'll drop by that shop at some yeah. point because these guys cook a lot. We cook, I mean, all the time. And matter of fact, most of our dealers cook every weekend. You know, if you're in Kansas City, you can go to the Kansas City Barbecue Store up there in Olathe. Um, that's the OG original barbecue store. You know, that's where Oklahoma Joe's and all that was, you know, back in the day. at the Now it's Joe's Kansas City. But um, say hi to Dan up there. I sent you. But um, they cook every weekend on, on a legend out in the parking lot, you know. <laughs> And uh, that's just how the that's how our industry is. We just we we live it. You know, that's yeah. just the way it is. Oh, I've watched you over the <laughs> decades. It's, it's, I, I tell lots of people, that Frank's a maniac, man. I'm, he, We're insane. My whole family works in this business. You know, my oldest boy, he's editing video now and really running a camera, and you know, he's he's the one that makes all of our uh, images and videos that we publish. And, that's and, incredible. Well, he's done it. Awesome job. Yeah, he's and I 18. see posts from Lisa's all sending yeah. things out to your wife. Yeah, the you know. emails. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and yeah, so basically I'm just running around like a maniac doing everything else. <laughs> and having a good time. <laughs> having a great time. <laughs> well, Frank, once again, if people need to get a hold of you, you know, sure. communicate with you personally, how they do it. Yeah, the best way to do it, well, I'll tell you, there's one new way to get a hold of me. And uh, that one has a has a secret phone number attached that I don't give out anywhere. So I'll tell you where to go. Go to Patreon, uh, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, 
and uh, that community there is is the closest way to get in touch with me direct. But, however, you still can call the office, uh, 573-612-1315. Either myself or Lisa will answer, and both of us care enough that we will absolutely handle whatever it is that you got on your mind. So. Unless you need bailed out of jail or something, because I'm out on that one. But if you just aren't happy and you need to be happy, then need to cook some food, hit us up. We'll help you. Food will make you happy. (laughs) Well, folks, I'm Bill Cooper. This has been Frank Cox with me. Hey, we live our outdoor dreams, whether it's me hunting or fishing or Frank cooking outdoors. We have a great time. We encourage you to get outdoors as well. Hey, live your dreams. Absolutely. Eat some good food. Yep. We'll see you next time. Hey guys, this is Frank Cox with Living the Dream Outdoor Properties. Hey, have you ever considered a career in real estate? If you have, but you don't have your license, this is your opportunity. So each month, the Living the Dream Outdoor Properties team is giving away a free seat to the online training that you need to take in order to get your real estate license. We would love to have you join our team. All you got to do is go to our website, livingthedreamland.com, and then click on the Our Team button, and then click on the one that comes up under that that says Join Our Team. On that page, there's an application form. Just simply fill that out and get in contact with a member of our team, and I'll be giving you a call. We appreciate you, and uh, good luck. The Live in the Dream Outdoors podcast is brought to you by Live in the Dream Outdoor Properties, The Fly Rod Journals, SmokerBuilder.com, Cowtown USA, Westover Farms, Scenic Rivers Taxidermy, Stained Water Bow Fishing, Scenic Rivers Guide Service and Tours, Huzzah Valley Resort, Pico Lures, Devil's Backbone Outfitters, Cardiac Mountain Outfitters, Mary's County Bank, The Fallen Outdoors, Ledco Sinkers and Lure Company, Turnbow Outdoors, J&J Charters, Kaufman Cove, Alaska, Big Ed's Guide Service, Bean Creek Game Calls, Misty Mountain Guide Service, On the Hook TV, and Rich's Famous Burgers. Land ownership is the American dream. Land is the basis of all life. Our wise use of this most precious of resources ensures the survival and growth of free institutions and our American way of life. At Living the Dream Outdoor Properties, we value the traditions and freedoms that land provides us. Every day we seek the solace of a mountain sunrise over traffic jams and smog, the calming silence of a bubbling stream over the sirens of the city, and the quiet of the countryside over the hustle and bustle of the world. We hunt, we fish, we farm. We live off the land. It's our mission to help our clients live out their dreams on the land as we do. At Living the Dream Outdoor Properties, we believe that it's not just land, it's a lifestyle. Join us five days a week on Living the Dream Outdoor Podcast as the Living the Dream Outdoor Dream Team explores the most desired outdoor properties in the Midwest and whisks you away to incredible hunting, fishing, and outdoor recreation opportunities. Host Bill Cooper, an inductee of the National Freshwater Fishing Hall of Fame, will be joined by members of the Living the Dream Outdoors team each week as they tell tall tales, unveil tips and tactics, and rub elbows with some of the biggest names in the outdoor world. 
You'll also find the Living the Dream Outdoors podcast on your favorite social media platforms, including Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok.